Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z podcast. I'm your host, Steph Bodrini. This podcast is for everyone who wants to be part of our real estate family and learn commercial real estate investing from A to Z. I'll be sharing with you tips for real estate investing while being mentored by a few people with several years of experience so that you and I can make the least amount of mistakes as possible and succeed a lot faster. My goal is to keep things very straightforward because I value your time and you are here to learn. With that, in the last episode, we started part one of this part two series on how to invest in industrial real estate. We are continuing that interview with Neil Walgren, COO of MAG Capital Partners, a real estate investment firm focused in industrial investing. Here we go. You mentioned earlier, um, before we, we got on record, about unit level profitability. Can you please elaborate on that? For our listeners, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, if you had an opportunity to either buy a, um, say, a, a regional hardware supply store, um, where you were buying one location out of say ten that came with full unit level financials, or to buy a building with a tenant of Home Depot, all other things being equal, what would you choose? Home Depot. And, and most people would, would say, well, it's a, it's a stronger tenant. They're a billion-dollar company, all this. But with experience, you actually learn that Home Depot does not provide unit-level financials for the building. So you may be buying one of their least profitable buildings, and you will never know as an investor. And what that means is if Home Depot as a company ever does either – um, you know, run into issues with Chapter 11, or you know, more likely, if they do some restructuring uh, or are looking at, hey, how do we grow and, and how do we focus on profitability? Your building that you purchased, still tenanted by them, may be one of the first that they shed uh, or are looking to vacate early. Uh, and ultimately, now you can find yourself in an adversarial relationship with your tenant, uh, and ultimately in, in a tough spot where you're finding yourself have to, having to release that property. Um, at an at a early date. Whereas uh, in the alternative scenario where you have the, say, regional hardware supply store, if you know that the building you're buying is, say, their, their flagship building, the most profitable or, or one of the you know, top, top 25% most profitable buildings, even if that company does have to restructure or runs into issues, your building is likely going to be the last that gets affected and ultimately gives you greater security as an investor uh, in terms of the, the strength of that lease uh, and reduces the likelihood of your tenant uh, defaulting on that lease. So the terminology unit level profitability is who the actual tenant is? or uh, So the unit level profitability refers to um, basically whether or not you have insight as a landlord or as a real estate owner in the profitability of the particular location of the building that you're buying. If your tenant has several locations, you are interested primarily on you know, how profitable is this store um, that is the tenant in this, this particular piece of real estate that I'm buying. 
So let's talk about the type of tenant that you have in industrial versus the real estate, the, the building itself versus the location of the property. Can you elaborate how they differ, how they work together in industrial? Because it's definitely very different in retail and office. Yep. There's, there's several main considerations to look at. And the way we approach um, seeking industrial investment commercial real estate is we typically will start with a set of cap rate criteria. Uh, and as you and your listeners know, uh, cap rate is a function of a lot of things, but ultimately seeks to incorporate um, the amount of risk in, in the project. So we're almost exclusively buying in the Midwest corridor, um, and that allows us to usually try to find commercial real estate that's priced at about a between a seven and eight and a half cap cap rate uh, for the pricing there. Now with that cap rate, it's going to incorporate a lot of things. You're going to look at, you know, what sort of risk premium am I paying for this part of the country? So as we know, you know, the coast, California and, you know, New York are going to have much lower cap rates. You're going to have them in the twos, threes and fours sometimes. Same with Los Angeles in the Midwest, Texas, Iowa, Nebraska, you tend to have um, still strong cities, but they're going to be secondary, tertiary cities um, that are going to trade at a, at a higher cap rate and ultimately cash flow more. So if that's your focus, which is why a lot of people buy operational real estate uh, in the industrial sector, ultimately you have to seek those higher cap rates. Now with that, you can find you know, a mix of deals and to use you know two ends of the spectrum here, uh, on one side, you might have a we would call it a, a subcredit tenant. Uh, subcredit tenant is going to be, you know, usually revenues. Uh, that company is going to have revenues between like 10, 20, 30 million on the lower side. And probably have decent EBITDA margins. You know, typically mid-teens uh, to high teens for the EBITDA margins. However, their overall sales revenue of that company uh, is going to be smaller compared to larger national tenants, which tend to be. 80, 90, 100 million or more. With that, you might accept a lower credit tenant if it's paired with a industrial building that's in a, a very central market. So for example, you know, I would probably accept a, a lower credit tenant if it was in downtown Dallas or in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, because I know, hey, even if this tenant does you know, default on the lease, uh, I own good real estate in a great metro, and I'm not going to have too much issue getting it um, retenanted as long as the building is somewhat standard uh, in its configuration. Now, the opposite end of the spectrum, we have a much stronger tenant, perhaps investment grade, which means it's uh, typically over about $100 million in revenue, strong EBITDA, you know, really sometimes multi-location you know, multi there. Uh, however, those locations, in order to have the same cap rate and the same overall risk profile, uh, I might trade lower or less less desired real estate for a stronger tenant. Um, so I might be buying, you know, commercial real estate, say in a much more tertiary area, you know, possibly 100 miles outside of Dallas, you know, or one of these smaller towns. And really, that's the trade-off that you're going to look for ultimately to get roughly the same amount of yields as an investor. So, do I want a really strong tenant with marginal real estate, or do I want great real estate with a marginal tenant? Those again are the outward ends of the alternatives, ideally, you're able to get a, you know, a decent tenant with decent real estate at the same time. 
So when you say that you are getting properties at, let's say, 8.5% cap rate, how do you add value to that property because you're dealing with the seller and they're going to lease back the property and, you know, it's going to be a, what, 15, 20-year lease? So how do you guys bring value besides that 8.5% cap? Great question. So really, there's there's two um, components of, of creating value with these investments. Um, the first is cash flow. And that cash flow with that net lease structure, um, really, you have an expense-free set of cash coming in to the ownership pool. Um, so with, with those, we typically structure our deals to target 8% going to investors minimum on year one, and that's going to increase um, you know, year to year as rent bumps kick in. So one of the nice things about these leases is typically they will have built-in rent bumps. So without doing anything, you have typically one and a half to 2% increases in rent kicking in every year. And because there's no expenses, that rent is usually directly tied with, is usually equal to the NOI of that property. Mm-hmm. Now, that NOI, imagine you have a static cap rate. Now, I know for a fact my NOI is going to increase 2% a year. So that's the first way that I'm creating value, such that if I hold it for five years, I've seen roughly 10% increases in NOI at the same cap rate I can sell and see a significant increase in value. That's, mm-hmm. that's value add number one. Uh, the second piece is paying down, paying down principal on the debt. So we're, we're typically able to acquire 75, between 70 and 75% um, leverage on, uh, on debt on the real estate. Most of our, our real estate debt comes from local lenders or credit unions, um, typically that know both the tenant company uh, and the area very well. And that's even more important when you're buying more tertiary real estate, where the, you know, the, basically the local lenders really believe in the companies. Oftentimes, those companies have been in place for 40, 50, 60 years, uh, and you're able to get more, more aggressive and better terms uh, on the lending. But we, we typically acquire fixed rate debt, you know, fixed interest rate, usually low fours or high threes in today's environment. Uh, and with that, every month you're paying down principal on the debt. Uh, and that's the second way you're creating value. And then the third is a little bit more uh, subjective, uh, but ultimately we are looking usually to buy real estate either in growing metros where we feel like, hey, there's a chance for cap compression. For example, in Omaha, you know, today uh, Omaha is trading you know, around eight, eight, seven, eight cap uh, for a lot of industrial properties. If we think, hey, there's a good chance this might you know, compress down to a six or seven cap environment in five years based on the growth that we're seeing in this area, that's a way to, to create value. And the third way, uh, the other half of that third piece is cre- what they call credit enhancement. And so imagine if you buy a company that has, say, or if you buy real estate tenanted by a company with $30 million a year revenue, and in five years, that company is doing $100 million a year in revenue with the same profitability. Now that's a much stronger tenant, uh, which provides a, a lot more security on your lease. Um, so now you're able to sell that same piece of real estate, all other factors being equal, at a lower cap rate because you've reduced the amount of risk uh, involved in that, that real estate uh, transaction. As far as 
industrial it's it's the the hottest asset class right now during covid <laughs> and prices are going up tell us a little bit about what is going on right now uh, with industrial in terms of <clears throat> being recession resistant and the whole covid story there please yeah absolutely I'll tell you a little bit about what we've seen both in our portfolio and in the you know kind of asset class as a whole. So you know with COVID, as as you know in the commercial real estate world, it's done a lot of kind of wild things. Um, you know in the multifamily space with eviction moratoriums, there's a lot of uncertainty in that space. The same, it's really kind of upended a lot of retail investments uh, and office as you know workers are working remote at home and. You know, companies are relooking their overall company culture, whether it's going to be in office or not. Those those asset classes have seen a lot of turmoil. Uh, industrial, on the other hand, tends to be much more B two B production. Tends to be, or at least the type of industrial that we've been focusing on, uh, manufacturing that's selling to other core industries. You know, things like mixers, dryers, government aerospace manufacturers, baby food producers really goods that cannot be replaced. Um, and that really has given it just consistency and a boring level of <laughs> uh, very predictable cash flow. Rents are being paid. There is no you know, evictions required in this space, um, you know, based on a lot of the, the, the COVID factors. You know, certainly there's, there's one or two exceptions, but as a whole, this space has been hit uh, really a lot less than um, some of the, these other uh, commercial real estate asset classes. So what we've seen is, you know, just consistent rents coming in. The net lease um, structure means a lot of the variability with operations all, all gets absorbed by the tenant. So as an ownership um, group or as an investor, you know, you're seeing this very consistent, steady, any type of, of investment. Um, so a lot of people have seen the writing on the wall. Um, they've exited some other asset classes and really tried to pile more money to the industrial asset class. Um, so what what's happened with that? You know, like anything, when an asset class gets hot, um, you end up seeing a lot of cap compression. That's just you know kind of a function of supply and demand. So we we've seen a lot of REITs, a lot of uh, funds, pension funds, uh, life insurance groups that typically didn't have a heavy mix of industrial in the past suddenly you know double or triple their allocation of industrial amongst their their portfolio uh throwing a lot of a lot of money into that space uh, and it's been driving up prices and, and compressing cap rates across the board is there anything else that you think is important for our audience to know oh so much but <laughs> uh, you know Ultimately, you know, and I think this goes across any any type of commercial real estate investment or evaluation is, you know, start small and and partner when you can. Uh, you know, we always tell folks it's it's a it's a very different world than you know multifamily and than retail is. Um, but you know, if you're able to partner with someone who's done industrial investments before or an investment group that that specializes in that, even if it's a passive position. It's a great way to kind of get your feet wet, uh, understand this space a little bit better. Uh, and then ultimately, uh, you know, what we tell folks is, you know, probably not a great way to, you know, fill up your entire portfolio. But we do think uh, industrial is an, is an important way to diversify, especially that single tenant manufacturing side, uh, a great way to diversify an overall commercial real estate portfolio. 
Neil, this has been so helpful and so enlightening. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with everybody. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Thank you again for having me here, Stephanie. Um, so yeah, if you are interested in some of the uh, really commercial industrial real estate investments that our firm puts together, it's MAG Capital Partners, uh, M-A-G Capital Partners. Uh, our website is uh, magcp.com. Uh, and my uh, info is uh, Neil Walgren, N-E-I-L. And you can either shoot me an email, neil at magcp.com. Or uh, you can call me direct at 925-487-3978. Either way works. And as always, uh, all of this information will be under show notes. Neil, I look forward to having you here again to talk a little bit more about industrial sometime in the near future. Sounds terrific. Thank you so much, Stephanie. If you are enjoying and learning from this podcast, please write us a review on the podcast app so that other people can benefit and learn and we can all grow together. I will see you next time.